Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. How is it that in one instance, Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven? Right? Let them see your good deeds so they may glorify your Father in heaven. And yet in another place, he says, woe to you teachers of the law. Everything they do is to be seen by men. In another place, Jesus says, um, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. He went on to say, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So in one place, he says, let your light shine. Let them see your good deeds and let them glorify your Father in heaven. And in another place, he says, be careful not to do this to be seen. Is he talking out of both sides of his mouth? Is he contradicting himself? Why would Jesus tell one group of people to do this and then another to do differently, publicly, privately? I, I want to talk about that today as we continue in our series, uh, The Gospel Tool. Uh, back in December of 2003, there was a show that debuted on the ABC network called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Do y'all know that show, Extreme, uh, Extreme Makeover? And Ty Pennington, right, was the host of the show, and there was a team of designers and contractors, and they would go find a family in need, and they would, you know, they would you know, meet with them, find out what they needed in their home. They would do like a whole story montage about the family to where your like, hearts are like ripped out of your chest as you hear their story. And then they would rebuild their house in a week. I mean, it was nuts. And it was amazing to watch how they would, you know, tear it down and build a new one in, in seven days, right? It was crazy. And the success of the show revealed that the creators had touched on a nerve. And in light of our, our topic today, uh, I'm going to kind of somewhat, maybe in like a dad joke sort of way, call it the serve nerve, Okay. They touched on the serve nerve because we would watch that show and we'd be like, right? you know, ugly cries. We see this new home for this family that was so awesome and they had so much need, right? It, it touched a nerve and there's no secret that the millennial generation, if you're a millennial, raise your hand for me. Do y'all know what generation you're in, a few of you? See, millennials don't get excited about anything and so they don't even raise their hands, right? <laughs> I'm going to challenge you, millennials, raise it just a little bit higher so I can see who you are. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, loud and proud millennials, right? No, that's not your way at all. You guys are some of the most cause-oriented, social justice-driven people that our world has ever seen. Right? That's, that's no secret, right? And um, 
I actually fall right in the gap between uh, Gen X and Millennial, so I'm kind of like an in-between, so I don't know really what I am exactly. Uh, welcome to my world. But I've, I've noticed this trend of companies getting socially active, right? Like they, it's, it's, it's very common, like you have Tom's, you have Bombas, you have uh, Warby Parker, and their strategy is like, if you buy one, we'll give one, right? Buy one product from us, we'll give one away to somebody in a, a third world country or to you know, a homeless person. And it's this beautiful picture of using business for the cause. This past week was a big week with the Derek Chauvin trial, right? Found guilty on, on, on all charges. And we saw this last year how companies... They, they kind of threw their, their name in the hat or their, their, their name into the cause of Black Lives Matter, right? Because it resonates with us. It resonates with us. And uh, millennials alone were estimated to spend $1.4 trillion in 2020. And 57% of millennial females, which females, let's be honest, you drive the spending in our nation. 57% of them said their purchasing decisions were driven by the values and stance of a company on issues that were important to them. Now, I'm not saying that these companies don't care about social causes, because I think they authentically care about these causes. What I am pointing out, though, is that it is, it's in their best interest, right? It's in their best interest to be vocally active in social causes because you guys are driven by social justice. And there's been a shift over the last 20 years to cause-oriented marketing by, company and by companies and serving others has been commercialized in a sense. And there's a little bit of me as a believer in Christ that gets a little bit concerned about that, okay? Because what happens is consumerism can co-opt the language of a noble pursuit that we're called to in Scripture. And it can, in some way, offer us a cheaper and easier version of serving others that simply involves purchasing an item or a service. And it's possible that a corporation can wrap their product in the cause in, in order to kind of serve themselves, right? And we could serve ourselves because we could just go buy the item and it feels good to buy the item and I like having that item. I love that product, that service. And so it serves me to buy the item, but I feel that warm, fuzzy feeling at the end because I, I supported the cause. It's, it's a little bit concerning. And the question I want to ask is, what does Jesus say about it? What would Jesus say to us today we're uh, in the third week of the Gospel Tool series. And so the Gospel Tool, I actually have some copies of this today on the back table. This is a good old-fashioned bookmark. Yeah, right? You all got excited. You're like, bookmarks? This is like, I've been dying for a new bookmark, right? I know, I know. I felt that, and so I was like, I'm going to give them what they need, Lord. They need a bookmark. So it says the Gospel Tool on one side, and then on the other side, it's just got... 
it's, it's an acronym, okay? Now, this is not the checklist. Like, if you do this, you're guaranteed to go to heaven when you die. It's not at all what I'm, this is not like works-based Christianity. What I'm trying to do is just spell out, like, what is it that God calls believers to do? Like, what's the basic activities of our lives? Well, the, the first is that we're to grow in the truth. We talked about reading our scriptures the first week. The second is to obey what you learn. We talked about that last week, obedience, right? This week, we're going to talk about serve others. The P stands for pray about everything. The E stands for evangelize the lost. And the L stands for love one another. And so I have a bunch of those in the back. They're free. You can take one or two or three or whatever, throw one in your Bible if you want. But this is just a tool to help you think about the basic activities that God's called us to as disciples. And so today we're going to talk about serve others. Our text is Matthew 20. If you have a copy of scriptures, go there with me to Matthew uh, chapter 20. We're going to be in verses 20 through 28. And uh, this is an incredible story in the life of Jesus, and I'm going to read it for us, okay? Here's what it says. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons. She knelt down to ask him for something. What do you want? He asked her. Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? We are able, they said to him. He told them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high position act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I love this story because it's such a human and relatable story. You got mom. Got to love moms, right? Mom comes up, and we, uh, as we harmonize the gospel accounts, we think that possibly she was uh, Mary, so Jesus' mom's sister. So this would have been his aunt, okay? And the aunt comes up, and she's like, hey, Jesus. And I'm just picturing the moment. Maybe you have family members, and you, you can just kind of insert their face, and she comes and kneels before him, and she gives him that look like I give to my children like this, where I'm just like... Uh, I'm your aunt, Jesus, and these other 10 guys are great, cool, whatever, but promise me your first cousins are going to sit on your right and your left when you go into your kingdom, right? I, I'm just picturing that, that moment with Aunt Salome, 
right? And, and so we, we're not definitive about that. We don't know for certain if that's what's going on, but that's just one possibility. Another possibility is that these two guys felt so loved by Jesus, and this is an insight into what it was like to be one of his disciples. They felt so loved and valued by Jesus that they thought, like, we were his favorites. Like, clearly, he treats us in a way that's like, we are his favorite people, and mom, I think, I think he's going to have a sit on his right and his left. And so they talk to mom, and mom's like, let's, let's go put a word in. And so mom goes with the two sons and gives the whole promise me speech, right? So that's what I'm picturing at the moment. Got to love moms, the, the great cheerleaders of our lives, the ones who, uh, they, they go to bat for us, right? And so here's mom with the two boys. And here's what we don't want to miss in this whole story is that to sit at the right or the left was to sit in a place of greatness, a place of greatness. That's the theme of what is happening in the story. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for, right? Which they probably don't exactly know what they're asking for because he says, he gives the odd question, are you able to drink the cup? that I'm about to drink. Now, that's not like an ancient keep away, like beverage game, like, can you drink it, right? No, it's not what's happening here. He's like, he's, he's using a word that in, for them, it, it would have symbolized the divinely appointed outcome of things in your life. It, what we would call like your lot in life, what, what the, the ancients would have called fate or destiny. It, it's God's appointed outcome, which could be your cup could have blessing and prosperity in it, good things, or your cup could have suffering, hardship, struggles. Jesus, he's talking about the coming crucifixion, the suffering that he's about to endure. He's like, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they say, which I love the, like, yes, we can, Lord. They have no idea what they're signing up for. And Jesus says, you will. James becomes the first martyred apostle in Acts, book of Acts. John will be persecuted in exile. Like these guys, they will drink Jesus' cup. But then Jesus gives them the paradox of greatness. That's what I'm calling it, the paradox of greatness. Of greatness. He says, as he calms the other 10 down that are so angry, in verse 25, he says this You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. Now, when he's talking about those in those, those positions, right, he's talking about their Gentile princes. He's talking about Roman government officials, those that are in high places. The Greek word is megas, to, from where we get our word mega. Like, these are high people. These are literally great ones. These are the great ones. He's like, look, the great ones here in this world, they're going to lord it over you, right? They're going to act as tyrants 
over you. He's saying they're, they're going to exalt themselves by pushing their power down on others. He describes classic authoritarian, like top-down leadership. He says that the world says that greatness is achieved when other people serve you. Right? Like, if you have servants, you must be great because lots of people are serving you. But then he says, it must not be like that among you. Church, did you hear that? It must not be like that among you. And he goes on to say, and I love this, whoever wants to be great among you. Do you want to be great? Anyone? No? You want to be mediocre, don't you? Right? You're like, you know, I don't want to be a great parent. If I could just be passable, like, like I don't want to damage them too bad, but just like mediocre, that's what I want, right? No, 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 no. We want to be great. Have you ever in a moment of frustration? I see this with my boys sometimes. You get so angry, like you can't do something that you want to do, and then you say out loud or you think to yourself, I just want to be good at something. Have you ever said that before? Yeah, a few of you? Yeah, totally, I have. I just want to be good at something. I love that Jesus includes the phrase, whoever wants to be great. I think that you should want to be great. Seriously. I I think you should be, that you should want to be great. He says, whoever wants to be great among you, I think you should desire to be a great follower of Jesus. I think you should desire, you should aspire to be great in the body of Christ, in the church. I think you should aspire to be a great parent or grandparent or single person, whatever your station in life is. I think you should aspire to be a great uh, coworker, a great employee, a great teacher, a great manager, a business owner, whatever you do or your profession, like you should want to be great at that. Whoever wants to be great. When I uh, <laughs> planted this church, it wasn't like, man, if we could just like plant a, it's like a decent, like it's just kind of okay, like church. It's like, no, no, no. Like I'm like, let's plant a great church. I believe this is a great church, right? It's a great church. So we, we want to be great. We want it. We want to be good at the things that God calls us to do. And I know, I know what you're thinking, because we all think it. Man, I just, I don't have the right personality to be great. I, I, I don't have the right education to be great. I just don't have all the skills to be great. I don't have the outgoingness that other people have to be great. I don't have the finances to be great. And we have the, all the list of like, why I probably am not going to be great in whatever realm of life you're thinking, right? But then Jesus gives us the key, the paradox of greatness. And he says, in the world, a person of greatness is served by many. 
in the kingdom of God, a person of greatness is the servant of many. See, the first thing I want you to understand is that serving others is the key to greatness according to Jesus. You want to be great? Good. Here's the key. Here's how you do it. Serve others, says the Lord. Whoever wants to be great among you must be, the, must be your servant. Serving others is the key to greatness. Now, Jesus flips the script on greatness, right? Because all the people that he's listing in the story are the great ones, but he's like, no, no, no. You need to understand in, in the real, like re, in reality, in the kingdom, this is upside down. In fact, I, uh, I made a slide. I think I have this uh, back there on the uh, computer. If, if we were to kind of put this <clears throat> into a visual, a visual representation, you can see in the kingdom that greatness is flipped upside down because that's what Jesus does with our, our values and our understanding of what does it mean to be great. And he says, no, 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 it's, it's upside down. It's serving others. He, he uses the word slave. Now, that's different than American slavery because in American slavery, we think of a forced slavery. But what he's talking about is a voluntary devoting of oneself to another person to the disregard of your own interests slash benefits. So I'm going to lay aside my interests and benefits and I'm going to devote myself to you to help you achieve your interests and for your benefit. It's a... It's a strong word to lay aside our agenda to pursue the blessing of another person, right? And let's be honest, this is super hard to live out, like serving others in greatness, because here's what happens. For example, you go, like millions of other people, to the drive through line. Let's just pretend it's at Chick-fil-A, okay? There's a million people at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, and homegirl darts in front of you in the Chick-fil-A line drive-thru, right? She lords it over you and subdues you with her Honda Civic. And you're like, you're not thinking at that moment, I'm here for your interests and your benefits, right? Let's be honest. I'm not, maybe you are, maybe you're way more holy than I am. And in that moment, you don't want to be the servant or slave to all. You want to put her in her place, right? You're willing to forfeit greatness to tell her she's not that great. (laughs) So how in the world is it possible for us to actually live this out? Well, verse 28, here's what Jesus says. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be, what's that word? Served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the second thing that I I want you to understand is that we can serve because Jesus served. I'll say that again. We can serve because Jesus served. Now, here's what's so good about that. God could have said, 
Do not lord it over one another as the Gentiles do, but rather serve one another. And if you do, you'll be great in the kingdom. Thus says the Lord, do what I say. And we'd be like, yes, you're God. You said it. We're, we're obligated to live by it. But Philippians 2 is such a beautiful passage. I just want to show this to you. Um, let, me, let me get there. Philippians chapter 2. This is a beautiful, beautiful portion of Scripture. This is Paul, and he says, Adopt, no, I'm sorry. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others is what we're talking about, right? Verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. He's talking about he was in a position of greatness, right? He, he was there at the right hand of the Father. Verse 7. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a, what's that word? Servant. Taking on the likeness of humanity when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, right? He's, he's going to serve to where it pains him. It's going to, it's going to take his life. The, the type of service he's going to render to us is going to literally cost him his life. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, greatness. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you, do you see the same pattern? It's like if you will just humble yourself, you will serve others. If you will become their slave, I mean, to the point of like pain. You're going to be exalted. It's, you're going to be great in the kingdom. We can, we can serve because Jesus served. But here's my question. Is that what keeps you from serving others? I love that God didn't say, just do as I say. He can say to us, do as I do. I'm the model. I'm the example. I'm going to show you. I'm going to embody this for you. I'm going to call you to do the very thing that I've done for you. But I don't think that's what keeps us from serving others. I think we can, we can know all day long, Jesus is the great example. He's the model of service. And because he did it, I'm going to do it. I think something deeper we have to drill down into the essence of greatness. Because bottom line, what keeps us from serving others is that we're preoccupied with serving ourselves. Bottom line, guilty. What keeps us from serving others is serving ourselves. For example, when homegirl lords it over you with her Honda Civic at the Chick-fil-A drive-through line, right? And you notice she has a church sticker on the back of her car. And you're like, you're blowing the whole PR campaign, sister, in Christ. 
That is, if you are really my sister in Christ, because that church probably doesn't even preach the gospel. And then we start judging churches and judging people because somebody lorded it over us with their Honda Civic. And we go down like the deep, dark hole of judgment and anger and all the emotions that come out of us whenever that happens. And I think the reason why we can't step up in those, in those moments is that the message of the girl cutting in front of you was basically, you're not as important as I am, right? My life, my schedule, my kids are hungry in the backseat. That's more important than your life and your schedule and your kids in the backseat. And so I'm just going to go on ahead. And there's something in us, right, when it basically says you're not that great. And it offends us, right? It, it causes all the anger and the judgment, all that stuff, and the honking and the waving with your middle finger in the air. Like, I don't know if y'all have ever seen that before, but like people do when they drive. It's the source of 99% of road rage, that pride gets damaged. Because somebody says, you're not significant, or you're not as significant as I am. They call your significance into question. And it doesn't make you feel great. It's the service of ourselves that keeps us from serving other people. And so how can Jesus tell one group of people, let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven? It's because they were truly serving God and serving others. He's like, let's display that. Let that be known. Put that light on a stand. And then to the religious leaders, he says, woe to you. You do everything to be seen. Meaning like, you're not serving God or others at all. You're just serving yourselves. And to others, be careful not to practice your righteousness to be seen by others. Because he's like, you're going to be prone to want to serve yourself. I'm going to protect you from that. And I want you to go. And I want you to not even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Greatness in service cause us to confront the ways that we serve ourselves. And someone basically diminishes our significance with their words or actions or whatever, and we puff up with pride, and we're like, no, 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 no. No, not happening. Because I think deep down inside, we have a whole bank saved up of hurtful words and experiences and feelings that people have put upon us that have made us feel less than significant. And when someone does that, it like reinforces all those deep things down inside of us, and we are afraid that it's true. We get super mad, super angry, and super judgmental. I can't serve you when I'm, prep, when I'm propping up me. Right? If I look to your interests and benefits, who's going to look out for mine? There's no way that I can serve you or serve my church or serve my neighbor or my family when all my time and energy are spent building up me. Like I have nothing left for you. And this is where we just need to go a little deeper, and it's where we need the gospel. 
Because in verse 28, there's, there's a word that we can't miss, and the word is ransom. To give my life as a ransom. You know what ransom means? It's, it's a price that you pay to get someone out of captivity, out of bondage, right? The, you know, the cartel kidnaps your child. You're going to pay a ransom to get your child out of that situation back with you. And that's what Jesus says, I came to ransom you. I came to buy you out. The third thing that we cannot miss is that we can serve because Jesus served us. We can serve because Jesus served us. It's not just his example for us. It's his service to us. Here's what I mean. Jesus buying you out of captivity to service of yourself, buying you out of that bondage, tells us a couple things. The first thing is this. You must be worth something. Do you hear that? You have a significance that cannot be diminished by a Honda Civic at Chick-fil-A. Do you hear that? Because Jesus ransomed you. He went to a cross, obedient to the point of death, because you were worth something to him. You're significant. The gospel it instills a value. It's like, God, you love me? Like, why? I'm really not that great. I'm not that lovable. I have all these things. He's like, I love you. Here's the extent of my love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. I've ransomed you. He's bought us out of bondage to a self-serving life. His blood speaks a better word than the bank of words and experiences and feelings that are down inside of you that draws out all the negative stuff that's inside of your heart and mind where you're just constantly defeating yourself and condemning yourself and, oh yeah, maybe all that's true about me and maybe I'm really not worth anything. And it's like, you have that bank and it's like, no, 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 I, I just want you to get a better word. It's the blood of Jesus. He speaks a better word. I've ransomed you. And his blood calls us to repentantly exhale the self-inflated air of pride and to receive the humble breath of the Spirit of Christ, Christ who humbled himself. In the humble spirit, we breathe in. And so, yes, we may get cut off in the drive through line. She may even have a church sticker on her car. That's okay. I've been ransomed. I have value. I have significance. How can I, how can I look to the interest of others? Because Jesus looked to mine. How can I consider others more than myself? Jesus has considered me. How can I look toward your benefits and needs? Because Jesus is looking after mine. So my question I want to close with is, 
Have you received the service of Christ? Because until you do, you're always going to wonder, what's true about me? Is it all that bank of words and feelings and all that negative stuff? Is it how I feel about myself? Is that what's true? Or is there something truer than that? Will you look to the ransom of Jesus, the blood shed for you? Will you let him pull the poison out and inject that humble breath of the Holy Spirit in you. I believe you can be great. You really can. You can be a great follower, a great church family member. You can be a great friend. You can be a great person. You can be a great parent, etc. You can be great. You can be great when you're free from serving yourself and you're able to truly serve others because you've received the service of Christ. This can look like a million different things. I, I, I won't even go through a list of how serving others could look. It could look like things in our church body, setting up and tearing it down. Why? Well, it benefits other people. Kids ministry, you know? Setting up signs outside. Why? Well, it benefits other people. It could look like that in your family, with your spouse, your kids, your grandkids. It can look like that in your workplace, just your hobbies, whatever it is. It can look a million different ways. And you can only really do it because Jesus has served you. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.